It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the Sunday recap edition. Justin Ferguson here from Painter Sharpless's uh, disclosed undisclosed location, the uh, the bunker, the deep in the underground bunker. I'm here with Painter. We're separated by a wall right now because our technology and our equipment is like this is like for those of you who listened to us like way back in the day at the beginning of this this podcast we had like the hardest time recording in the same room um because we're idiots or at least i am uh painter's not uh and um so this is kind of old school that painter and i are in the same building <laughs> but we are recording in separate rooms to make sure the audio is as good as we can get it uh painter hello it's good it's good to it's it's been good to see you and hang out with you this weekend. It had been a while, but uh the you know the bunker is is very safe and spacious and and I feel protected in here. Yeah, absolutely. Very good vibes this weekend. A very good time was had. Except for the game. Uh for 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 like we will definitely get into that uh here shortly. Back in Auburn, holding down the fort, Dan Peck. Hello, Daniel. Yeah, some some folks had a, a good time uh, this this weekend in, in Baton Rouge. No, it's it's great to uh yeah, great great to know that you guys got to uh get spend a little time together. And yeah, sorry I couldn't make the trip, but we'll we'll do it again next time or whenever next time is uh, for this uh, for for this series. And uh, and yeah, yeah. Look, looking look looking forward to, uh, to to breaking down this one. Yeah. So Dan, like before we hit record, you, you made the point, <laughs> our last podcast, uh, the, the preview episode, uh, that the subscribers got, uh, last week, uh, the title of it was, uh, this game should be played every year. And uh, we got on the recording and you were like, ah, um, maybe not, <laughs> maybe it shouldn't play be played every, every year. Um, Auburn, I mean, let's face it you didn't get shut out and you had some positive drives on both sides of the ball, a few, but outside of that, that was about as bad of a game coming off an off week that you could have had. If you were Auburn, they lose by 30 at LSU 48 to 14, the final, Um, you know, I was there covering it in the press box painter. You were in tiger stadium, taking it in from the stands, Dan, I imagine you were you were holding it down back at Auburn watching on TV. So we all the three of us all got different perspectives of this game. Um, so I want to I want to kick it off with just kind of general gut like snap reaction to what this loss was and what it means. And uh, Dan, we will start with you as uh, as the uh, as the uh, observer from the television side. Well, I mean, this was the third week in a row, third game in a row, where Auburn was a double-digit or close to a double-digit underdog. And when you go into those games, you know there's a chance uh, that things can slip away. In the fourth quarter, we talked about how uh, you know the depth was, was still going to be an issue. If this game was close in the fourth quarter, it was going to be tough for Auburn to hold on and beat LSU. And... The game wasn't all that close uh, when, when the when the fourth quarter started, which made it which made it tougher because LSU could keep piling it on, but uh, there there was really no chance of a rally. Um, it, it's it's discouraging, you know. It gets back to you know how much how much credit slash blame do you you know do, do you toss on a coach during year one? Uh, but no, it's it's tough to 
felt like there were positives you could take out of A&M and especially Georgia that don't really feel applicable mm-hmm. to, uh, to to this game, uh, th- this game from yesterday. Painter, you were not sitting in a box in Tiger Stadium like our like our friend Dave. Um, by the way, friends of the program should be back this week. There's no telling what that's going to be like. Um, but uh, you were in the stands in Tiger Stadium. Uh, just again, your your kind of gut reaction of you know Auburn thirty point loss uh, in Death Valley and and seemingly not being able to build on what they were able to do two weeks ago against against Georgia and also again coming off the off week. I think it was Dan that pointed out in a, one of our recent podcasts that this is a type of game against a type of offense that you're going up against where you really couldn't afford to have them jump out on you. And it did, I think everyone sort of collectively looked around the first couple of drives where LSU was moving the ball and Auburn was obviously trying to figure some things out. And it's like, oh, you know, the – the runway is short when you know just just how good that offense is going to be. And Auburn tightened some things up, but yeah, I think my gut reaction was, "Oh boy," on that first drive. Yeah, I mean, it was about as bad of a start as you could get. Um, I I wrote about it in the lead to the observations that went out Sunday morning. You know, it, it, coming into this game, it looked pretty easy, like what Auburn had to avoid. You know, on defense, like, you know, don't give up big plays. Try to keep everything in front of you as much as you can. Don't make mistakes. You're going to have to play a clean game against LSU to have a chance to survive. For the offense, it was like, hey, LSU's defense is not very good. Don't give them any help. Um, They've struggled this season, so don't make, make sure that, you know, anything they do, you make them earn it. And LSU goes 75 yards and four plays to start the game. And then on offense, Auburn false start before they even get a snap off. They have a solid, you know, screen pass on first down, first and fifteen. Which you know, if you don't back it up, it's a successful play. But instead, you you are backed up. You miss an open receiver on second down, and then on third down, Avery Jones snaps the ball early. Um, Freeze said after the game, didn't really know what happened there. Wouldn't seem to be a clap. Didn't seem to be a clap or a cadence. He just snapped it. And, um, yeah, big loss. You put the ball. And I think, the uh, you know, on top of that, the bigger thing was just it, what happened on the second drives for each, each of those teams. Now, LSU moved the ball, and Auburn got a win. I mean, we talked about it heading into the game. Auburn gets a win every time LSU has to kick. LSU gets a false start. I think that was the play where Jane Daniels threw it behind his guy in the end zone. Um, they kick a field goal. Okay, 10 nothing. All right. See – you know, bad start on offense. See if you can shake it off and get it going. They go three and out again. And then LSU gets the ball again. And LSU walks down the field again and scores another touchdown. It's 17 nothing. You're not at the end of the first quarter. LSU's already got over 200 yards. And you're sitting here thinking, it's going to be hard for Auburn to get over 200 yards in this game, the way they've looked so far. And it, it was just a nightmare. It was just a nightmare start. You could not have scripted it any worse for Auburn. And so, yeah, there are game. There are parts of this game where they did. I mean, they had three scoring drives. They had a stretch in the middle of the game where LSU like it was four drives in a row where LSU did not score a touchdown. Only had one field goal in that stretch. Had an interception. And the funny thing about this game coming out of it is, you know, clean game 
we talked about coming in, don't make as many mistakes. Look, Auburn didn't turn the ball over. LSU did. Great play by Jalen Simpson to or to force that interception to DJ James. LSU had far more penalties than Auburn did in this one. But you still lost by 30 because this was an unclean game in the old-fashioned way where you were not executing what you wanted to do, and they were on both sides of the ball. And coming off an off week, Dan, that is the big thing. Like, you came off an off week and looked like this on both sides of the ball. You know, Freeze has talked about it. We've talked about it. There's been plenty about the talent gap. That can't explain 30 points. You know, you're not 30 points worse than LSU in talent. You're not. You just you, – you, you are not. Because Arkansas was a team that has struggled and is about where you are right now in SP. And they took LSU down to the wire in Death Valley. Missouri is a team that played a shootout with, with Auburn. I mean, with, with LSU. And you're not that much worse than those teams, I don't think. The problem is, is that Freeze said it. The margin for error is small when you play a really talented team. And Auburn did not do any of the things that you needed to do as an underdog to hang in this game. And you dig yourself a big hole early, and you don't play clean enough to get out of it for most of this game. And that's pretty worrisome because this should have been where you were the freshest and the cleanest, theoretically, that, you, that you're going to be all year, at least in, in terms of you know after the first week of the season. Yeah, it's tough to it's tough to single out one stat and say this is the this is the really alarming, you know, one thing. Yeah, I mean, LSU. Yeah, I mean LSU getting nearly twice as many yards as Auburn, mm-hmm. right? Just just about. Um, you know, you, is is five hundred and sixty three yards given up to LSU? Forty eight points given up to LSU is that more concerning than two ninety three and eighteen? Uh, you know, the the total yardage and the points for the Auburn offense. I, I personally think the latter is more concerning. I think I think the offense is probably more concerning because there had been all this talk of how LSU's defense had struggled in conference play. Now, I tried to point out uh, the teams they were struggling against. Arkansas may be the exception, but the, the teams that LSU had scored, you know, that, that had scored against LSU, Florida State, uh, Missouri, and who, who's who's the other one who's uh, Ole Miss. Like these, oh, these are these are teams that have been explosive against other teams too. It's not as though LSU was the what was the cure all uh, for for offenses that had struggled. There was this belief that maybe Auburn's passing offense, if they were going to get into gear against anyone left on the schedule in the conference, folks thought it might be uh, Saturday night in in Tiger Stadium, and it just it just didn't happen. And um, I I don't. Yeah, I, I don't know what solution wise you can suggest uh mm-hmm. fr- from a personnel standpoint to get the get the passing game in gear. Does you know we can we can get into Peyton versus Robbie, uh, sure. but but it does seem like the issues with Auburn's passing offense go beyond who could they go to on this team right now and and lean towards like what what are the what are the biggest issues moving forward? Uh, for for this team and how, and how do they fix them if if the answer isn't in the room right now? To your point about the teams that LSU struggled with and the teams that they didn't struggle with, um, I think this game really showed you your it's you and Mississippi State for sure as the you know 
the 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 bottom of the SEC West right now. And Auburn's got State coming up in a couple of weeks at home. Um, they have played better at home than they have on the road. You know, you, you play better against Georgia on the road than you – I mean, at home than you played against Cal on the road. So, I mean, um, I think it was Iggy who, uh, you know, longtime subscriber and commenter on the site pointed out, like, you know, good point that college football is not static. You know, every game kind of takes a life – every week takes a life of its own. But, yeah, it's like you got to start playing better away from Jared and Hare because uh, you're going to have some winnable games there, Vanderbilt, Arkansas. And, and for Auburn, it's uh, – yeah, I think it's like you you saw in this game that, you know, maybe maybe you win or maybe you're competitive in this one and you're thinking, okay, um, you may be closer to kind of middle of the pack in the league this year. What this showed is you're closer to the bottom and because you – you looked a lot like State did, uh, and 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 I think the difference was State was at home for when LSU beat them. Um, that's tough. That, I mean, that's tough to that's tough to swallow if you're Auburn. Um, let's go ahead and get into it. Quarterback play. Um, I think this game was very telling, not in terms of who the quarterback should be moving forward as much to me as what's going on with the quarterbacks right now. Because I want to point to the drive right before halftime. Auburn has Robbie Ashford out there. They move the ball. They get to about the 50-yard line. And then they put Peyton Thorne back in. It's under a minute left. Two incompletions and a sack. Drive ends. It's pretty much the half ends. Auburn had timeouts there as well. They, they, you know, I was pretty surprised that they didn't use the timeout if they were going to substitute or, you know, ran some clock down like that. It's very clear to me at this point, and, and and going to what Freeze said after the game, you know, Auburn fans, I get it. Like, you you want to see Robbie Ashford play more, and you want to see Robbie Ashford. Some of you want to see Robbie Ashford take this thing over. He's basically just running a package right now. Now, sometimes those sets look different, and those, you know, it's not just one formation. It's variations of things. But – you know, Freeze keeps referring to it as his package. And, like, I don't – we have not seen him run the full scope of this offense yet, and I, I think it's fair to wonder if you are going to at this point and how much that's going to change um, because even though Robbie threw the ball some in this game, it was all out of those same kind of sets. And so Auburn needed to move, go back to Peyton at times on obvious passing downs. But – that drive in particular when you had a chance to hang around in the game and it just felt like everything just was it just stopped your momentum was killed when you made that switch although it made sense in terms of hey you have under a minute left you've got to start throwing the ball the quarterback you have in the game doesn't have very many passing plays you know or shots to call or whatever can't run the full scope of a two-minute offense because you don't have that installed for him maybe there's some of that to it uh, but man, I mean, it's 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 rough because a game like this, Robbie wasn't perfect, but man, he only had about a dozen plays or so, and most of them were Auburn's more successful plays of the game. That doesn't take away the fact that Peyton Thorne was the quarterback. You know, on, on two on the two touchdown drives, Auburn gets down the field with Peyton Thorne. Now, Ashford punches it in and helps him score, but um, yeah, I'm I am. Really, uh, I'm really 
interested, I think, morbidly curious at like what they are about to do moving forward with the quarterback spot because halfway through the season, the guy you brought in to be your passing quarterback, the results speak for themselves. I tweeted him last night. I updated him uh, on Sunday morning. There's only a handful of teams in the country that are worse than you at throwing the ball against quality competition. You are very close to Iowa, um, and you're technically a little lower than Iowa in terms of yards per attempt, but Iowa's worse in other categories on passing attack. But, like, you're you're at the bottom of the barrel in terms of quality, quality competition um, throwing the ball, and it's just not working at this point. And, and something has to change. I don't know what that answer is, but something's got to change. There's – I don't know how – uh, how important it is for what Hugh Freeze is doing on the field this year, like how, how important that is for recruiting, you know, or if he can, if he can write off a lot of what's happening on the field this year and sell to recruits anyway, it's been suggested that maybe part of the reason they're apprehensive about uh, going to Robbie and running the ball more than uh, Hugh Freeze has ever run the ball before as, as a coach is because they think it could uh, it could be difficult to sell that to the receivers Auburn needs to recruit as part of the future. Uh, I I don't know. It just feels like with Thorn mm-hmm. in the game, um, you know, I I I understand why folks would have little confidence in this offense right now, and that's not all because of Peyton Thorn, but the offense at the moment with him in the game, uh, it it just it feels like I, I'm not sure what. Like what the what the overall sort of goals of it of that offense, uh, you know what the, what they're what they're going for, right? And yeah. and with Rob with Robbie at least, like I know he's not the solution long term, but it does feel like in the short term he gives your offense more of a fighting chance. Well, and again, like you can't really argue that Thorne's a long term solution either because he's only got so much time left to be a college quarterback. I I, I think you know. The thing with Ashford to this point, and even if you feel like Thorne is the better passer and Thorne maybe has, I mean, from all we know and have seen and heard, has been the better passer in practices and, you know, in the preseason and all that and in games, statistically he's still right. But when the product on the field, when you're trying to do this more balanced than I think a pass-happy offense, when you're trying to do this and it's just not working – it's not like you're it's it's not like you're losing a lot if you go with the guy that you don't trust as much to throw the ball, right? Like maybe there's something to that. Not I mean, Peyton Thorne's been able to run the ball for Auburn this year. And it's not like Auburn's offense was has just been night and day better with Astrid in the game compared to Thorne. But the back and forth hasn't seemed to work between the twenties this year. Red zone, it's definitely been been more effective. Auburn's pretty good at punching the ball in the end zone when they get in the red zone. It's just, they got to get there. And they just, they just have not gotten there very often against, against power five opponents. I just, it's just a long way of saying it's like, there's gotta be some point where you look at it and say, okay, even if it's not the shining ideal of what we want this offense to be this year or long-term, you know, do you feel like you can get more out of, and and an adapted modified offense with Ashford in place than Thorne. And if the answer is no, all right, you got to do something differently and you got to try to find ways to fix what's going on when you have Thorne at the helm. 
um, because it's just, you know, you're not getting that much. Oh, yeah, we came into this season talking about how Robbie Astrid statistically was one of the worst quarterbacks in the country last season in yards per attempt and completion percentage and all that. Uh, especially against uh, quality of competition, Peyton Thorne has not been that much better. And that's, I think that's what the frustrating thing is for a lot of Auburn fans watching it because you can see the good plays. You can see the positive moments from um, Ashford in a, in a package. And, and that's what makes it tough to compare, right? If you just want to go straight, like here's what Auburn's offense does when he's on the field versus when he, you know, the other quarterbacks on the field, it's still kind of an apples to oranges situation because it's a, it's it's a package versus what you would imagine to be the full scope of the offense, and that's that's what makes it tough. Um, but yeah, I just it's it's not working and it's not clicking. And so, whether you, even if you stick to Thorn, whether you stick to Thorn or not, like there's got to be some real changes here in the second half of the season of some kind, something tangible because you played a struggling defense Saturday, and I wasn't expecting Auburn to throw for two fifty on these guys. But it's hard to buy into that. Like, is this going to get better this season? And that's that's a that's a tough pill to swap because you got some winnable games here down the stretch. And that was, you know, one of the things I said last week was, you know, if 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 players start to emerge that you feel like you can count on next year, absent wins in Auburn's biggest games down the stretch. You know, players stepping up, especially offensive players stepping up and making a case. Yeah, I'm I'm part of the solution. I'm I'm a starter on the 24 team, and I could be I could be on the first really good Hugh Freeze team at Auburn. And it's it's tough right now to single out those kind of players. And I mean, Jay Fair has had a good second season, had a had the nice catch on on the touchdown drive, but. As far as individual achievement on the offense, and yeah, I mean, it, it, a lot of it gets back to the struggles Auburn has uh, at at quarterback. But it's not just about what's happening at quarterback; mm-hmm. it's also what's happening around the quarterback. It's tough. I mean, I guess on the offensive line of the players who could be back next year, like I, I would think that Isavian Miller, if he's on next year's team, probably has you know a good shot. I, th- I think at, at one of the two tackle spots because and, of how and much he he's played finish, this year. And he didn't finish the game at tackle yeah. uh, on Saturday. Jaden Muskrat did. And, and Auburn rotated in some younger guys on those final couple of drives. But I did notice the Muskrat came in pretty earlier than, than than the rest of the guys. But what I would say is what's what's as concerning as the performance last night would be that, you know, we've now seen it. And granted, they're three really good teams. But in the three conference games we've seen Auburn play, it does feel like you're still, especially on offense, looking for not just guys to help you this year, but but guys who can make a case. You know, they're they're part of the long term solution. Penner, I, I I I guess the feeling that stuck in my head from this game more than anything else, and I wonder if it was the same for you, is just like, hey, this is a team that. Two weeks ago, coming off that Georgia game, we're saying, okay, it's progress. You know, you can see some signs of growth. you got to capitalize on it. And then when you play a game like this and it just looks even worse than it did, um, you know, I I think in some areas than it did against Texas A&M, got to sit here and think like, oh, you know, was 
was the Georgia game just some just some uh just some Jordan Hare magic? And like that's that that's concerning. Now Auburn does play four games left Jordan Hare this year, but like and could still theoretically get to a bowl, uh, you know, winning winning the games they could win at Jordan Hare. But like Ole Miss and Alabama are gonna be really tough to win to win those games as well. And it's just in the in the big picture, it just seems like the the, the big backward step was the last thing you needed there. You would at least like to tread water before you, you know you know, go back as far as Auburn did in this one. I would go back to the point you made about week to week, things are not static. They change a lot, and it's hard to feel that way when you're coming off of a performance that was as disappointing as this one. But, you know, for some people out there, remember how you felt after the A&M game and how solid of a performance they gave a week later. Um, but yeah, I understand people's frustration and concern, especially because we are getting to the point in the season where there's enough of a data set. We have a big enough sample size to go, okay, this is more or less who this team is. Auburn's got to change some things on offense. And I don't know personnel wise what the answer is there. I mean, they did tweak some stuff at wide receiver. Um, you saw Caleb Burton, you know, for the first time all year. Um, you saw some other guys kind of get involved a little bit more. Um, I think the big thing for Auburn is, you know, teams just have a blueprint to really tamp down everything on these outside receivers. A lot of the stuff Auburn's having to hit is coming over the middle. That third drive of the game, RPO slant to to um, Cannon Brown back-to-back times. LSU the rest of the way was like, okay, because here's the thing with the RPOs. You play off, you're going to run a slant. If you play – if you press, you're going to run a fade. That's just kind of – that's a very, you know – set standard toolbox type of RPO. Auburn can't hit those fades. I mean, they've hit only maybe a handful of them all year and have tried a bunch more. And they didn't hit any of them on Saturday. Shane Hooks drew, drew a DPI on one of them, but that was about it. It's free set after game. They got to find ways to uh, – they're just not winning. They're just not winning on the outside. Their outside receivers just aren't winning. And when you have Jay Fair – and now Caleb Burton making some of these plays. Your tight ends making Brandon Frazier had a good game. Um, you know, Revolta Fairweather, you're having to split him out wide sometimes trying to make plays with him as well. That's the big thing because it's as concerning to me as as the quarterback play because it's just like, you know, uh, you don't have enough winners on the outside. And it is really hard to build a modern passing attack when teams don't like – Teams don't feel like you're going to be much of a threat to them on the outside, especially in an offense like Auburn's where they want to spread the field, stretch it out as as wide as possible, and 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 you know do the type of things that we know Hugh Freeze and Philip Montgomery have done in the past. My question for the room would be: Has anything uh, anything you've seen over these last three games has it shaken your confidence that Hugh Freeze can turn this thing around? at Auburn during his tenure? Is there anything from this start to conference play that with, with everything you acknowledge about it's year one, the roster uh, has, has gone through the trials and tribulations of the last few seasons. Uh, you know, all, all the reasons you, you can give, is there anything you've seen that concerns you despite all of those disclaimers about the last couple of games? I would say the big concerning thing for me is that we have seen a Hugh Freeze year one offense, a Philip Montgomery year one offense, and we've seen Peyton Thorne at quarterback look 
much better. And I, and again, I think people want to point out, oh, well, the Ole Miss game, you know, Ole Miss seasons were so long ago, and Tulsa's a different ball game, and you know, Thornton light up great teams against against Michigan at Michigan State. Okay, I will also point out that LSU was one of the worst defenses in the country coming into this game, like you know, through the air. It, now, if you're one-dimensional, they will make life harder for you, and the, the running game will obviously be something we, we'll talk about in this one. I, I think the thing here is that I don't know if it's a concern right now is more of it could be a bigger concern moving forward. Second half of the season, you have to show a proof of concept on offense. you got to give something that people are going to buy into. And it's more than just, hey, when we get better receivers, it'll look better. Hey, when we get more of our guys, it'll look better. There's truth to that. There's there's a there's kind of a truth to that. But it is a hundred percent fair for Auburn fans to expect more progress than what they've seen so far. And you've got the second half of the schedule where these next five games you play for Auburn. On paper, recruiting-wise, talent-wise, none of these teams are far and away better than you on paper. Now, Ole Miss is playing good football, and they're very talented, but they are not Ole Miss. I mean, they're not Georgia or A&M or LSU in the talent department. They're just not, and you're playing them at home. You're playing Arkansas. You're playing Mississippi State. You're playing Vanderbilt. You're obviously playing New Mexico State. And then you get Alabama at the end of the year. The talent gap is not going to be as big of a talking point to me. It's not going to have as much hold as much weight over these next few weeks. And so you have to show progress. You have to show something that people can buy into and believe and say, okay, there something's getting better. You know, you got to have some momentum. That's the thing. If they don't, it becomes harder of a situation. I'm not saying it's impossible. The roster is what it is, but also it's fair to expect things to have looked better on this side of the ball this year because we have seen these coaches and we've seen some of these players do better in circumstances where they were facing a pretty big talent gap. It's it's different than Harson's first year because Harson had, among other things, Bo Nix. Um, it's different. Although I would look at Billy, and he Napier. took over a play. Yeah. He took over from a he took over from a head coach who never had a losing season. Who always had bad to back losing seasons. Uh, I mean, Billy Napier's first year at Florida. Although Napier just picked up that win at South Carolina this weekend, but Billy Napier's first year at Florida, he had Anthony Richardson, and so I think that there were different expectations for what Florida could accomplish in year one when you have a guy who people think is a top five, top ten pick in like the subsequent year's draft playing quarterback for you in the moment. Uh, but I do think the scenarios could be similar as far as, you know, Billy Napier. I mean, was, you know, that, that entire first year at Florida was just sort of chalked up to rebuilding and reprogramming a, you know, a, a, a football team and everything that happened in year two was going to be on Napier, but it was, you know, it was, yeah, you, you're, you, you had to pe- people were ready to sort of excuse a lot of year one if they saw improvement in year two. And I wonder if that's where Hugh Freeze is going to find himself after this season. The plan was not for Auburn to go into this offseason needing a starting quarterback and three starting wide receivers again. But that could be where Hugh Freeze finds himself with the understanding that if if that pays off in year two, 
then a lot of what happened in year one is probably immaterial. But if he doesn't get it turned around, m- maybe some of the cracks were showing in in this first season and in these in these last couple of games. I, I've I've seen some people um, talk about Oklahoma. Again, Oklahoma's playing with a different deck, and they're obviously playing in a different conference. Although they will be uh, coming into the SEC next year. I mean that that team, especially on defense, struggled last season, and, and Oklahoma lost a lot of close, frustrating games. And it was well below the standards of what you would expect an Oklahoma team to be. And a year later, they seem to have kind of fi- figured it out and and gotten and, and gotten rolling. That could happen for Auburn. I'm not saying they're going to go undefeated to start next year. It's it's still it's there's still levels to like the Auburn rebuild compared to the Oklahoma. I mean, remember Oklahoma. Oklahoma was was humming, and then Lincoln Riley left, and you know it kind of kind of they took a step back before they started building. Lincoln it, Lincoln Riley wasn't fired after two bad seasons, right? I mean, that's, exactly. That's the, exactly. That's the key difference. But we but you did see Oklahoma scrape to get into a bowl game last year, play well below what people's standards were, and you know it was it was again you have to have that proof of concept. I mean, for Auburn, recruiting is going to help a lot, right? What's the difference if Auburn if Auburn goes six and six in the regular season this year or finishes with a losing record like Harson did in year one? It's a lot more manageable to take if you're saying, "Well, look at look at what we've got coming in." You know, things are going to get better here soon, and there's a plan, and you can kind of see where the plan is going. But I'm just saying, things are just going to get tougher if you if you don't have anything to buy into, and 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 people can say, oh, "I mean." Can can you freeze do it at, at the SEC level anymore? You know, can't you know what what's going on with the offense here? And again, we need to talk about the defense because the defense was was rough on Saturday. But yeah, I think it's I think the thing is is just long term for Auburn with Hugh Freeze is that this second half of the season, that you know, the 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 stretch of way more talented opponents than you is over. You got to do something with it. I'm not saying you got to run the table. It's going to be tough to beat Ole Miss. It's probably going to be tough to beat Arkansas away from home. That's just the reality of the situation if you're Auburn. So I think I think that's the thing for for them is that you have to give people something to buy into and believe in. And even if that's running an offense that doesn't look like the sparkling ideal of what you want moving forward, winning helps a lot. And showing, you know, giving folks to believe in will help a lot, even more than just kind of struggling with what you want to run on offense over and over again. Like, because I, 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 I get wanting to be balanced, and I get wanting to, you know, do a lot of the things that have gotten you to this point. If you're a coach, if you're a coach, if you're a, if you're an offensive staff, at some point though, the the returns on it are so low that. You got to wonder if it's worth just sticking through it, knowing that, like you said, Dan, a lot will be forgiven if you can if you can bounce back next year. I wonder if, I guess, there's a couple things with with Robbie Ashford. I I wonder if there's a belief internally that making the switch from Thorne to Ashford might improve. Uh, it, it it would improve the offense, but they still would have fatal flaws. That would, you know, it's, it's sort of it would create new problems. I wonder if that's if that's what's going on, or if there's just or if it's a trust issue. I mean, if Robbie Ashford is still limited to 
a handful of plays, you know, it makes me wonder how comfortable they are turning over the whole offense to him, even in a scenario where, you know, if Peyton Thorne were unavailable due to injury, you know, would, would they, would they still go to Robbie Ashford and have him run the, the handful of plays or the package that they've gone with Robbie Ashford so far. So, you know, maybe there's something there to, you know, they're, they're, they're concerned or nervous about, uh, about what the offense would look like with Robbie Ashford for the whole game. I don't know. I, I agree. You know, it does seem like at some point this season, you need to do something that indicates the offense is going in the right direction, even if a whole bunch of the most important players on next year's offense aren't on the team. Banner, what what are what are your thoughts on the quarterback situation? Offense, just kind of before we 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 make a transition over. There's some other parts of the offense I want to hit, but I guess in the passing game, the quarterbacks, the the brain trust of Freeze and, and, and Montgomery, just everything kind of going forward, like heading into a second half of the season where you would think games are more gettable if they show improvement. Uh, I I do think to this point. I think it's probably a little telling that they've been, you know, they've stuck with the one through all these struggles. Uh, but yeah, I think the, the main takeaway is like, I really, I really thought we'd see some highs and some lows. And quite frankly, it's, it's mostly been lows for this offense. Yeah. I think if you would have told people at the beginning of the year, Hey, Auburn's going to be at the halfway point in the year, they're going to be three and three. They're going to be like, yeah, probably, you know, but win the games you were supposed to win and lose the games you were, you're projected to lose the cow game is, you know, <laughs> the, the very thin margins of that game are really starting to starting to show even more week by week. Um, but I think it's just the way you've gotten there. You know, Auburn's offense is worse than it was through the air than it even was last season. And that's, that's a real issue. Now teams are different from year to year. I think mean, people are pointing out like, wow, they, they held LSU to hardly anything last year, and they played such a close game. And then a year later, this brand-new staff, um, you know, it looks even worse. LSU is better, especially a lot better on offense than they were last year. But, yeah, I mean, it's – you have not ta- taken a step – a clear step forward. I think you've taken a step forward in recruiting. I think you've ta- taken a step forward in kind of the plan, the overall vision of the program. But the results are the results. I keep saying it. You only get 12 or 13 of these a year, and you got to give people something to buy into moving forward. And these guys want to win. You know, even if even if you freeze and, you know, let's just say, even if you freeze keeps talking about, like, the talent gap and the build and, and the process and the recruiting and all of that, he can say all these things, and he believes all of them. But at the end of the day, he knows he wants he wants to win these football games, and he knows that he can be his team can be playing better you know, coming off the field on Saturday. One quick thing on the offense, the running game. Um, it's it's not – something's off, and and I'm not sure exactly what with Jarquez Hunter. It is the, – the the results so far this season just haven't been working. Brian Batie had a couple of good runs early, and things kind of tapered off a little bit from the, from there. Jeremiah Cobb did a lot of his damage late in this game, uh, but he also had a couple of good runs early. You know, I thought Auburn would have been able to run the ball better on this, but again, like if you don't have really much of a threat to pass the ball, LSU's got some dudes up front, man. Mason Smith, Makai Wingo, Harold Perkins. Like it was, it, it was tough to see. And I think for Auburn, it's just, 
you're always going to be limited to how good this running attack is going to be if your passing game struggles as much as it does. It's not as easy as just saying, hey, run the ball a ton and, and you'll figure it out. Now, do I think Auburn needs to run the ball more than they throw the ball? Yeah, with this personnel for sure. Do I think there were times in this game on Saturday where they needed to run the ball? Yeah, they started the game hardly running it at all, and that's some of that's RPO, and some of that is, you know, they had extra hats and stuff like that. But, yeah, this running game, like, it can be the identity of your offense. It can be the foundation of your offense. But the offensive line that Auburn has had, even though I think they have played better this year statistically, and just kind of the the team you've got right now, Dan, we keep saying it's like, it isn't as easy as just hey run it over and over again. It's 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 you you ran into some walls uh, on 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 Saturday night at times, and so you know while this needs to be, I think moving forward, the foundation of your offense. I think this game also showed like, yeah, even against a struggling defense, if you don't have any sort of semblance of balance, it's just Auburn just does not have the dudes. And I don't think there are very many teams in the country that have the dudes that just say, hey, we're going to run it no matter what. Yeah, the, the blueprint is out for for other teams to sort of stop, you know, w- w- I think with both quarterbacks, you know, dare Auburn to get something going on the ground, uh, overplay the run, uh, trust your secondary to hold up one on one. And if Auburn you know, if Auburn can beat you over and over again that way, you know, I think defenses will acknowledge it. But I would imagine that Ole Miss and Arkansas, Mississippi State, like these teams Auburn's going to see these next couple of weeks, like the, these are the, these are games where e- even though you feel like you're closer in talent than you were against A&M or Georgia or LSU, uh, you're still going to need to overcome a defense that knows what your offense struggles with, what your offense thinks is, is its strengths. And yeah, I, I don't think you can be predictable against those teams and expect uh, expect a uh, a breakthrough offensively. So it's it's going to be uh, it, it's this is a challenge for the coaching staff if they want things to improve between now and the end of the season. All right, uh, we'll talk defense here after this quick message. Um, A couple of quick messages. Hi, if you like this show, uh, and sometimes it may be tough to like it after your team loses by 30, I understand that. Um, And you want more of it? AuburnObserver.com, subscribe there. We've had a ton of newsletters here over the last uh, few days um, for football and men's basketball. Uh, For those of you who are our subscribers, by the way, $6 a month or $60 a year. Thank you guys so very much. Uh, for signing up, we email everything out to you. You can read and listen on your own time. It's the easiest way to get uh, your your Auburn football and basketball analysis that we do here. Um, for those of you who are subscribers, we're going to switch up the schedule again this week. Uh, we'll talk a little bit of this at the end, time permitting. Um, Auburn basketball, um, SEC media days, basketball media days are Wednesday uh, in, in Hoover. Um, I'll be there. Um, so I'll I will have something on Thursday from that, which is going to push 13 for 13 back to Friday, which is going to push the mailbag back again to Saturday. We do have a Saturday night kickoff between Auburn and Ole Miss. So you will get the mailbag on Saturday this week. So we're just going to, we're going to shift the schedule again with some more basketball this week. Uh, But send in your mailbag questions. I'm sure you've got plenty of them after that. That'll run on Saturday this week. So just keep in mind. A little bit of a schedule difference with the travel um, for me coming back to Baton Rouge from Baton Rouge today and um, potentially, you know, later in the week with 
with SEC media days uh, for the basketball side. So all that good stuff, auburnobserver.com. You can also help us out, Painter, by doing what? Rate, review, subscribe, please. Give us a little, uh, give us a little of that good stuff. Five stars. Say something nice about the boys, not me, the other boys. Uh, in your podcast review, it helps us out a lot. Five stars on Spotify, five, five stars on Apple Podcast Review on Pod. Anywhere you can review podcasts, you guys use other apps and such. I don't know what um, is the best way, but if you have a way to review, help us out. It, it helps us out a ton. Uh, also, our friends at homefieldapparel.com, thank you so much uh, for supporting the show and what we do here at The Observer. Homefield Apparel is the number one place to buy vintage collegiate apparel. We're talking the softest hoodies, t-shirts, sweatshirts uh, that money can buy, quarter zips, hats, uh, joggers. I was uh, did some tailgating yesterday. Painter and I did some tailgating. Shout out to our buddy, Zach. Uh, and uh, I wanted to be comfortable because the weather was going to be you know, a little warmer in the day, a little cooler at night. I had my nice home field branded uh, hoodie on and uh, got a lot of compliments for it at the tailgate. Uh, by the way, shout out shout out to Observer subscribers, uh, Jacob and Jack, uh, who we saw at the, at the tailgate down there. It was a lot of fun uh, hanging out with those guys. Um, but yeah, home field. There was a lot of home field at the tailgate. There's a lot of home field at him. There's going to be a lot of home field at Jordan Hare on Saturday. Um, hey, your team losing. That's not great. Um, What'll maybe cheer you up and make you feel more comfortable is awesome by the official Auburn Observer T-shirt at homefieldapparel.com. Just search Auburn Observer and you can get our logo on the softest, I'm not kidding, the softest blue T-shirt that you're going to find anywhere. Uh, 15% off your first order at Homefield if you use the promo code OBSERVER23 when checking out. Tell them that we sent you over. Thank you guys so much from Homefield for continuing to support the Observer. All right, guys, defensively, look, we we came into this game thinking, all right, hold them to field goals, uh, field goal tries, force some turnovers, hold on as much as possible. LSU's going to move the ball. They're going to score points. Jaden Daniels is playing football at the moment. They've got multiple receivers that are big-time playmakers. Um, they can run the ball. This has got to be a game where you do – where you just keep everything in front of you and – didn't really happen. Uh, big plays early, um, mistakes, guys getting guys getting left open. Um, LSU had not thrown the ball a ton to their to their running backs this season, and I think they preyed on that against Auburn. Uh, and Auburn didn't look prepared or um, ready to cover them as much as they had to out of the backfield. There were some open ones there. It concern, and, and I don't know how it came across on TV, but I, I know how it looked in the stands and, and in the press box on Saturday. It's just, damn, like, there were times where it's just the body language and the tackling and all that for Auburn TV. It did not look good at all, and that is something that is – a that's a big concern coming out of this game. It's fixable. It's definitely fixable. But, you know, defense kept you – gave you a chance to win the Cal game, kept you in the A&M game for longer than you probably deserved to be in it, and then you know, gave you a chance in the Georgia game as well. And it did – it did not – I mean, it was – you got punched in the mouth early, and outside of that middle stretch, it was just not what you wanted. Um, even 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 if you just tip your hat to, hey, LSU's got an awesome offense, 
they're going to get their they're going to get theirs. There's got to be a lot of stuff they're watching on film they they felt like they could have done better on. Yeah, I, I don't want to overplay like oh Auburn's got a championship defense and the offense just needs to pick it up because the defense has issues too and there and there have been there are, you know it, it a, a big play by the defense may have may have swung things a little bit but it, it does feel a little familiar and what's concerning there would be that we've seen seasons where the offense consistently struggles and the defense plays over its head early and often that doesn't last. What will happen is before the end of the season, the chickens will come home to roost and the defense that's been playing a lot of snaps and doesn't have the depth. Uh, if, if injuries you know, start to pile up, then November could be a, a really difficult month for that defense. And, you know, you mentioned the body language. Hugh Freeze talked about effort uh, for the first time, really, uh, in the in the post uh, post game press conference, talking about the team. Uh, uh, you know, there were, you know, he, he was he was questioning the fight at times in the team. I don't want to get the quote wrong, uh, but yeah. I, I think that's a, a, a it. yeah, fair, a fair way of of describing it. And that would that would concern me because you don't want the defense feeling like things are hopeless mm-hmm. in part because the offense isn't going to be able to produce points. And so a game is over at 10, nothing or 17, nothing. That would be the the real concern about the combination of the defense not not uh, really being able to put up the fight people thought they would, and Hugh Freeze after the game talking about uh, t- talking about effort. I think I compared it. You know, you go back to four years ago when Auburn played LSU here and that Joe Burrow defense. Like they gave up yards and they gave up, but it was just they kept a lot in front of them and really made them earn it. This. LSU's good, and it's tough to cover those guys, but it did feel like at times Auburn really let themselves down with what they were putting out there on the field. And there were things that were fixable that they could do. I did ask Freeze after the game. I asked him, I was like, hey, you you have said what you like about this team is that they keep fighting to the end. Do you feel like that was the same thing today? And he said, I don't think we fought as hard. That's something I've got to own. It's my job to get him to play hard. Maybe I'll watch the film and think differently. I don't know. Um, maybe it was the fact that they leaned on us and knocked us off the ball a little bit that made me feel that way. I don't know. Maybe that they're that good. I don't know. Uh, we're going to have to watch the film. Um, we did talk to a couple players on offense and defense after the game. Uh, Eugene Asante uh, came out there and, uh, you know, I asked him about the effort. He said, I think we started off very slow. It's on a lot of people to get this defense up. We need to be more juiced and ready to play the game and more excited to play the game. Um, this is a big game. We all want to perform at the highest level. The effort level was low to begin with, and it was fading in and out. It was very inconsistent tonight. It's surprising, but the biggest thing is just owning what's on the film and not playing the blame game. Every man has to look within themselves and answer the questions. The depth is not great. You know, Freeze talked about how Masana Silakite had done really good work with them, especially against the run this season. He's not, he's he's out for the season. No Austin Keys still, no Keontae Scott. Uh, which would have been helpful against some of the slot receivers that LSU has. But, like, none of those guys are wanting to use it as an excuse. You hear McAllister and Asante after the game saying, like, hey, if you're on the field for us, like, we have a standard that we have to play to. And even if you're inexperienced and even if you don't have as much, you know, playing time under your belt, you can do stuff to play up to our standards. And I think Auburn, I think coaching-wise, players-wise, teammates-wise, I think people will understand if a if an inexperienced player goes out there and doesn't and doesn't make as many plays, 
some of that's forgivable, right? Like you'll just be like, hey, you know, that's a really good offense and we're just not there yet. But busting coverages and missing assignments and not being in the right gaps and not playing what you need to do, not sticking to the plan. I think Asante talked about the rushing not being all like guys getting out of position. Um, the rush lanes not being where they needed to be. And I think even at one point he said, guys don't need to play hero ball. Like, you know, you got to play against a team like LSU, because if you go all out trying to, trying to, you know, do something above and beyond and you get out of position, LSU is just built to kill that. Um, But yeah, again, you can forgive a decent bit of, Hey, you just ain't got the horses to experience right now, but if the body language is that bad and the tackling's that bad and the and the assignments are getting but it's just stuff that you can point the finger and say, like, I don't care if you're playing the Kansas City Chiefs, you should you should do you should you should have done better on that play. That's that's the concern for Auburn, I think for sure. And uh, I think, you know, we spent so much of the show talking about the offense, understandably, but Auburn would have needed an exceptional offensive performance to win last night with the way LSU was playing. I mean, the second half. Jaden Daniels with eight for eight, four four drives, four touchdowns. Is that yeah, that's no, that's? Had, I mean, they, I mean, LSU was. I mean, they, they were. It was once they got rolling in the second half, they were scoring at will, and that's yes, that's something that even a better offensive performance would have been difficult to uh, disrupt from Auburn. Some of that is uh, this LSU offense might be the best one in the conference. Some of that is I think Auburn. Yeah, Auburn has Auburn has defensive, uh, you know, some, some some positions where, you know, the I think the you know, Hugh Freeze wants to raise the overall talent level of the position during his time at Auburn, but no, it was it was going to take a fast start by the Auburn defense, and you didn't get that, and then when LSU settled in in the second half, uh, it 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 felt like it was slipping away uh, with with every with every drive. Yeah, and I think there it's just like you can see a lot of how, a lot of that being fixed. But you're going to play a really awesome old Miss offense next week as well. And like I wrote in the observation on Sunday, you need to get back to the A&M and Georgia type of defensive performances and show that, hey, when we play the really good offenses, the really high, high-powered offenses, it's not just going to look like this all the time. So I think defensively, as bad as it looked like uh, for stretches of that game, especially at the beginning and the very end, second half in total, I think those things are a little more fixable because we have seen Auburn's defense play above, you know, their their weight class, so to speak, this year. And I think the effort and the intensity and the assignment and all that, like that's a lot more fixable than what we're seeing on the offensive side of the ball, where you're just looking around and saying, okay, well, is it is it ever gonna happen with this with this group? Is it ever gonna happen with this personnel? We've at least seen you know, going back to proof of concept, we have at least seen the proof of concept on Auburn's defense. So bad game and you know you want to play a lot better that's got to get some fire back under you in the second half of the year old miss has got a really good offense obviously state's got some weapons arkansas's got some weapons even vanderbilt's got some weapons alabama definitely does as well even though they're they're not playing to their standard on offense this year um again it's kind of like what we were saying with the offense there are opportunities that lie ahead of you but you got to get better and you got to improve. And I think for the defense, the silver lining here, and it's it's not great when you give up 48 points and all the all that yardage. I do think the silver lining, though, is, is that we have seen Auburn's defense play better than this. 
we have not seen Auburn's offense play much better than this against quality opponent this year. And that's the real concern. Um, but, you know, you, like you said, Dan, you hope you're not in a situation where if you're Auburn's defense, you feel like you just – you get disheartened. Like, if you can chalk up – last night, if you can chalk up that is a, hey, you got blitzed early and nothing was happening on the offensive side of the ball and you're at Tiger Stadium on a Saturday night and it snowballs on you and you're just – it just it – it, you ain't got it tonight. If that's what you can chalk it up to and say, hey, we got to play better than this, learn from it, and move on, fine. You don't want it to be, hey, Auburn played an offense that is really good, and this is what that's going to look like because you got one of those coming in this Saturday uh, uh, from Ole Miss. All right, so we will uh, we will definitely talk uh, Auburn Ole Miss preview episode will come out. Um, shoot, I think we'll we'll have to get creative on that one. Might be, yeah, it should be on Thursday. We had to record that a little bit earlier this week, um, but uh, before we go. Oh, I do want to talk some basketball a little bit, and then we'll probably talk some more of it after media days on uh, on Saturday or on Wednesday. Sorry, um, Auburn Pro Day scrimmage. We got to see a lot of it, or we got to see all of it. Got to report some of the stats from it. Uh, you can check that out at the Observer. Um, I will say about this team that that is continuing to stand out to me is that I think offensively they are clearly ahead of where. They are on defense, and Dan, we've talked about that. Painter and I talked about this this weekend, and I want to know. I want to get your thoughts on this. It's like if you're Auburn, I think if you want to be ahead in one or a one or the other at this point, you'd much rather be ahead on offense because you've seen a you've seen Bruce Pearl's defenses kind of come together and and, and gel over time. I don't think this is going to be a lockdown elite stifle you unit on that side mm-hmm. of the floor, but. Offensively, I think they're playing faster. They're playing with more, um, you know, more confidence in their three-point shot. Jani Broom going, you know, hitting three of his first four three-point attempts in the scrimmage. I think all that's good. It's going to be a work in progress on defense, but the early returns on the offense, I think, should should make for a more exciting product this year for Auburn basketball. Yeah, and I understand everybody wants to see the offense and and what the offense looks like uh, when the uh, – you know, when, when the games go live next month, but Bruce Pearl has a, he has a style defensively. He recruits to that style. I would think that guys like Chad Baker, Mazzara and Denver Jones and, and Holloway, like these are all players who understand what they're signing up for when you go play for Bruce Pearl. And while their offense is a big reason why Auburn went after them, they're going to need to play Auburn defense to stay out there. And, you know, whether or not Bruce Pearl changes his style at all with a bunch of transfers and more offensive-minded guys remains to be seen. But, you know, that that defense is a is a hallmark of Bruce Pearl's teams, and I would expect even with new players in their first year, they're going to be expected to play that style. Um, I know folks – Made a point looking at Aiden Holloway not hitting a shot in the scrimmage. A uh, couple things I want to say there. Number one, Holloway shot really well in the first scrimmage they played. It's good. They're, you're going to have games where you don't shoot well. Steph Curry has games where he can't hit anything. Uh, uh, that That's going to happen with shooters from time to time. I did think, though, three assists, one turnover. His team uh, won the game. He did a good job facilitating. 
just from my eye, I thought he ran the offense. Well, did a better job of making a concerted effort to get, you know, other guys in good scoring positions, especially when his shot wasn't falling as much. Um, Chad Baker Mazzara had a great game, a great scrimmage from, from when we saw, did a lot, shot, you know, hit shots from different areas on the floor. That was really good to see. Um, Denver Jones, telling y'all, telling y'all, again, I don't want to get like too far into the weeds of like what happened in the scrimmage and what I can share. Um, because again, we make that exchange with, with, with Bruce and, uh, and, and his staff. And it's like, Hey, you know, we're not going to, you know, we'll get this access and we'll get to watch all these practices, but you know, don't report on every little thing that happens. We did, we did get to report on the stats from the scrimmage. I'll just say this, man, Deborah Jones, the form, the shots he hits, the air spots of the floor he can pull up from can be special, can be really, really special. Again, don't expect him to score 20 points a game this year, but he has the potential to be the go get us a bucket guy that Auburn didn't have last year. Um, I think Auburn fans get really excited. Also, the thing that stood out, you know, from from Pro Day, we looked at the numbers. Uh, you know, Denver Jones was one of the best, had some of the best testing numbers uh, in across the board for Auburn. And Dan, we knew this guy coming in from from uh, from FIU was a shooter and a scorer. He's looking more and more like a well-rounded, like big-time ball player. And I'll give you one little nugget here. Um, Defensively, uh, he was on he was on uh, Aiden Holloway a lot on set uh, uh, during the scrimmage. Like they, he might be one of those guys that they just stick on on whoever their best guard is this year, uh, the other team's best guard. Outside shooting was one of the things that Auburn really needed to go attack in the portal, right? And it seems like with Denver Jones, it's not just that he's an outside shooter, but he adds to this team's shooting on top of the other ways he can score. Under recruited guy. You know, out of out of an Alabama high school, we we saw Kobe Brown go from under recruited player to group of five player to SEC player to first round pick in the NBA draft recently. I'm not saying Denver Jones is going to do that, but that's the trajectory he would like to put himself on. And uh, the early reports have been very good. Jani Broom also. I mean, there's something to be said for a guy who goes through the NBA draft process and shines. And gets an opportunity to say, hey, maybe do I need to go ahead and go pro now? Oh, no, I'll go back, you know, and work on my game. And then when he's back in front of a bunch of scouts, all but two teams, the Nets and the Nuggets, I believe, are the only two that weren't there on uh, on Thursday. Um, shining again, the, the confidence he has in his jumper is good. Now, there is a bounce to strike. It's kind of like we didn't talk about it. I um, didn't talk about it. I, I meant to talk about it during the, during the football portion of this podcast. But it's like – Auburn's having to run into this scenario right now where it's like, do you play with tempo and potentially wear out your defense more if it doesn't work? Or, you know, you play – it's that catch-22. Auburn's kind of in that same situation when Janai Broom pulls from deep because it's like, hey, if you hit it, man, that's great. Play five outs, spread the floor, make sure your offense more dangerous. If you miss it, though, your best rebounder's standing on the perimeter and not under the basket. And so they're going to have to find ways to kind of make that work. And I think if I, – again, I think the best – version of Janai for Auburn is a guy that you feel like could take a few of them a game, not a ton, but a few of them a game, hit a good percentage of them. And you'll be, you'll be good from there. I think that's the, I think that's the thing we want to see from, from Janai first and foremost. Um, trying to think if there was another big takeaway I wanted to go. Bill, with from Bill was real impressed. Bill was real impressed by what he's seen from Cheney Johnson 
so far. He got oh, to go yeah. over there a little bit. You want you want to talk a little bit about Cheney? Yeah, Cheney, not a ton of crazy stats in the scrimmage, but I'll tell you one thing that Cheney Johnson's one of those guys that athletically just does a few things every time I see him that are just really, really impressive. Um, dude fights on defense, fights on the boards. Chris Moore does as well. There's some there's some stretches where it's like Chris Moore and, and Cheney Johnson on the floor at the same time. It's like, man, those are there's some dogs getting after 50-50 balls. And I think they're given those, I think both of those dudes are given kind of the intensity. Uh, and the and the mentality that Bruce really wants to see in his whole team, uh, but Cheney very much a very much a vibes guy, very much a um, you know it just you, the intensity level raises. I think when you watch him play, um, and you know he he can shoot, he can rebound, he can defend, uh, he can score in a variety of ways. Um, he's a good, well rounded player that I think a lot of people are going to be shocked when they watch him this season and they're like, "What was this dude doing in Division Two? Um, he's just a late bloomer, and Auburn's going to try to take advantage of the fact that uh, he was late. But yeah, I mean, awesome athlete. I I think I think he gives you a lot on the boards and defense that Auburn needs right now, and uh, you need you need more guys like that, and you need more guys to end up playing like that. And I think Auburn's getting capable of getting to that point uh, for sure. Um, but we'll see that competition at at, at power forward with him and Jalen is really interesting, and that competition obviously with him and uh. Um, with a sorry, with Aiden and Trey at point guards, interesting. And like I wrote about it in the mailbag on Saturday, I think defense could end up being the defining factor between who is the starter there. Um, but you know, both of those guys are playing really well on offense right now. Didn't really have the shooting numbers in the scrimmage. I, I would say don't put a ton of stock into that compared to how you're running the offense and and how you're playing overall. And uh, Bruce seems very very uh very pleased with where those guys are offensively defensively it's going to be you know that's going to be the defining factor for that matchup all right i think that'll do it for those of you wondering what happened to painter uh technical difficulties got him um i've i've had to hang on for dear life on the internet here in the underground bunker whereas uh, it's not being as kind to the uh to the to the man who runs the place um so that is why Painter fell off uh, from from talking to us here on this podcast. I know a lot of you wonder whenever Painter uh, doesn't talk as much, you hate it and you're mad at me and Dan. Um, but there there are there are technical reasons for that. Uh, we're just not we're we're not hogging all the spotlight from from our beloved boy. Um, Painter's final thought, uh, real quick, one more time before we go. Before we go, um, again, sign up for the Observer. It was awesome to see some of y'all this weekend who are subscribers uh, and, uh, and and hang out with y'all here in Baton Rouge. Um, we'll have newsletters, Auburn Old Miss Week, some basketball with SEC Media Days, uh, mailbag on Saturday, like I said, again, 13 for 13 on Friday as well. So there's going to be a ton of stuff on the observer. It's a great time to sign up and hop on board. Uh, and, uh, yeah, check out the observations from Auburn from the Auburn LSU game if you haven't already. Painter said his final thoughts – I'll give his final thought is what was my favorite meal of the weekend? Oh man, that's a great question. Uh, and, uh, and I'll give, and I'll, and I'll, I'll give an assist to Dan here as well. I want Dan to be able to, to, to chime in with the final thought of his own, but I'll, I'll say this favorite meal of the weekend, 100% our boys, uh, Zach and the gang, uh, Adam podcast, all those guys, uh, down uh, at uh, DVA tailgating. Um, they came up to Auburn last year 
and uh, some some observer subscribers and some good friends of ours. They kind of did a joint tailgate before Auburn LSU last year. Phenomenal. Got to meet those guys. And I knew as soon as Auburn was coming down to LSU, there was only one place I was going to hang out uh, before the game, and uh, it was the tailgate. Great vibes, great food. Uh, the options they had, the two Cajun options they had down there, and I got I got some of both. It was a good chicken and shrimp gumbo, just classic, awesome. And then there was something, Dan, I don't know, have you ever heard of this dish? Um, because I was very unfamiliar with it, and I looked like such a uh, – I look like such a like non Louisianan when I was asking about this at the tailgate. Have you ever heard of pork sauce piquant? Have you ever heard of that before? No, no. Tell me about. Yeah, tell me about- it 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 was awesome, man. And I can't remember what all's in it, but it's like the Trinity and tomatoes and a ton of seasoning and like some wine and pork. And you cook it all together, and the pork gets super flavorful and super tender, like melt in your mouth. Uh, and it's kind of like almost like a, you know, kind of kind of stewy when it comes out. You pour that over rice. Uh, it was off the charts, good man. And and I and I feel like I learn something new every time I come to Louisiana and eat. Um, I'm I'm all aboard on the pork sauce pecan. So some of you who are listening to this know exactly what I'm talking about. And I was, and I was, I was, I learned, I, uh, I got the great benefit of uh, finding out what that, what that delicious, uh, contraption is, uh, here this year. So shout out to Zach, shout out to all of our friends, uh, down here at Baton Rouge for, for being so welcoming and, and hospitable and shout out to all of the Auburn folks and the observer subs, members of the inner circle that we got to hang out with here in uh, here in Baton Rouge. Dan, you got any final thoughts? You're, you're ready to rock. He's ready to rock. He's he's getting he's already pre-gaming for Killers of the Flower Moon. We'll talk to y'all later.